coming to you live from the front of a parade. I'm Tom Rich, and with me as always is Imminent Trampling Danger, and this is the Miles Nailowing Podcast. Episode 900, Grandma's Moldy Pinochle Set. You seriously need to stop making noise. That's the whole point of the silence. It needs to be silent. Welcome back to the Mildly Alarming Podcast. I'm Johanna Stauffer. And I'm Tom Rich. And today, um, I don't know. I never know. Tom doesn't tell me. And when he does, I don't listen. I don't listen when you talk. Huh? Precisely. What? Today, uh, we're going to just go through the alphabet. A. B. C. D. E. Wait, which alphabet? <laughs> Alpha. <laughs> Bet. Dang it. <laughs> Nope, today we're doing a review of a board game that we got to play last weekend called Mission Red Planet. Put out, I think it's a fantasy flight, isn't it? I don't have any recollection. We could probably find out with the internet at our very fingertips. Yeah, you see if you can figure that one out. Keep yammering and I'll look. Yeah, so Mission Red Planet, we got to play it at our friend Devin, uh, son of Kevin's house. Uh, We had a lot of fun with it. Uh, And so we thought we'd tell you about it on the air here. So Mission Red Planet is a sort of a steampunk Mars exploration game. Which, uh, for those of... Yes, it is Fantasy Flight. Uh, for anyone who thought steampunk Mars exploration, barf. Um, the steampunk is really a skin, just kind mm-hmm. of a a fun theme that has no bearing whatsoever on the game. Like, yeah. the mechanics stand apart, and if you hate steampunk because it's been overdone or whatever, mm-hmm. it's still pretty good. But it is a steampunk-themed Mars exploration yeah, game. Yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, and so the way, the way it kind of functions is you've got the... There are four rockets available or no one rocket per player available going to a different region of mars or to its moon phobos i think it's, i think that's how you pronounce it that's how you Fob- pronounce it phobos that's how you pronounce it <laughs> uh and so your goal is to get your astronauts you've got a bunch of little astronaut figures onto those rockets once a rocket fills up to its limit each rocket has its own limit it launches it doesn't necessarily have to have all astronauts of the same player so you could mix and match a little bit like johannes and i could each have a couple of guys on a rocket. It launches, it goes to a particular region on Mars, and then you've got your guys on there. At certain points over the game, you'll harvest resources from the regions where you have the most astronauts. Uh, so if I've got three and Johannes has two, I will get... Drunk. The, drunk. Yes, the resources from that region. What? I'm just wondering what you just dropped. My wedding ring. Oh. I was fiddle farting with it. Uh, and so that's good. You want to have that. You want to get those. You also have secret mission cards that you can try to work toward having the most astronauts in particular regions to get bonus points at the end of the game or having them spread out in certain ways. Or There's a ton of stuff. There's also secret missions for particular regions that you can work on. So a lot of different things to think about as you're deciding where your astronauts go. But how do you get those astronauts to go places? You do that with this cool system they got of um, different roll cards. You've each got nine of them in your hand numbered from one to nine and each one is a different thing so like for example the number nine card is the recruiter 
which lets you put one astronaut on one ship and then recover any other cards you've already played. So it lets you get them back. You, once you've played a card, you don't get it back until you use the recruiter to get it back. There's another, I can't remember its number, called the Travel Agent, which lets you just dump three astronauts into any one ship. Yep. Which is good. Sometimes you want to just fill up a ship real fast. So everybody picks a card in secret for each round, and then you... This is this is brilliant. You count down. So you go number card number nine, eight, seven. So you get this cool rocket countdown going, and whenever you get to a number that you played your card on, you reveal your card and do whatever it is. So the, the picking of uh, roll cards for a given round is fairly similar to... Um citadels the game we talked about on the show a few weeks ago mm-hmm. uh except that every so everyone has the same cards with the same numbers regardless of your color um but if all say four of us are playing if all four of us choose to play the travel agent on the same turn that actually probably doesn't work because you can only place three things exactly three on one ship so with somebody's the travel agent. so someone's probably gonna get screwed yeah. but we we are allowed to do that so me playing the travel agent does not preclude tom's playing the travel agent right. also on that turn i like the idea that the four of us are playing meaning you me and the two people listening yep it's it's chip bove isn't it he'd probably play with us i think he'd like the, it, yeah. the other listener is probably related to me so they they want nothing to do with it probably not no Anyway, uh, we really like this game a lot. Um, I felt like the you know the, the it does a great merger of of theme to mechanic, especially with that countdown thing. That's really yeah. A lot the of the fun. countdown thing I found frustrating at first because trying to remember that arbitrarily higher numbered cards go earlier mm-hmm. instead of lower numbered cards that that, w- that threw me for the first couple turns. But actually going through it, like going literally, you're counting down aloud. Has anyone played a nine? Has anyone played an eight? Has any so eventually you're just going nine, eight, seven, mm-hmm. six, and then if someone played a six, they jump in. I played a six, but it's a pretty NASA y space travel y countdown. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um I like a lot, you know, the system of filling up the rockets to get them to launch. Um there's some cool strategy you can do there. Uh like I think there was one point in the game we played where Somebody like like there were a couple of astronauts on a rocket that was headed somewhere where I wanted it to go. Like I had two of I think I had two of mine going to a territory on Mars that I wanted them to go to. I'm like, right. yes, that's where I want them. That's good. But then Devin drops a card. Uh, I think the I don't remember the pilot. name of it. The pilot, the one that yeah. lets you redirect a ship. Yeah, the pilot. And so he puts a guy on the rocket, which which puts it to its limit and launches it. But it also allows him to redirect it. So all of a sudden, my plan is screwed because he redirects my two astronauts to a different territory. Yeah, and they land there, and they're like, "Now we're here, but we're in the vast minority, so we're not going to score any points. We're just sort of present." Yeah, I don't, I don't know if Tom mentioned it outright. There's there's a quite a bit of area control to the game. So the yeah. Mars is broken up into these regions and then also Phobos, which I, I know you did mention because you said Phobos. That's how you pronounce something. it, right? Phobos. You're a tape ass. Um, <laughs> and the, uh, whoever has the most astronauts of their color in a given region gets the mm-hmm. most. Um, did you talk about the resources at all? I didn't talk about what They're they not are. really all that important. There, there's them. three different kinds of resources and they, they have varying values for different reasons for victory and, points and yeah and for victory points and they tie in a little bit to the some of the secret missions and some of the whatever so a secret mission might be have the most x resource and you'll get a bonus for that mm-hmm. um that sort of thing but what what i didn't discover until or didn't realize until halfway through the game is that there's only one card in your hand that allows you to move an astronaut mm-hmm. on the surface of mars 
And so if you don't have the Explorer card available, if you've used him already, that thing that Devin did to to plant, plant your guys in a different region of Mars than you wanted them is a pretty big deal. Right. Because it's going to take you two turns at least to get them where you want. One turn at, to one play. One turn to play. Well, okay. At minimum one turn if you have the Explorer available to you and right. they're close enough to the place you wanted to get them. Because the Explorer gives you three movements split yeah. between X number, any number of guys. Yep. Up to three guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, quite possibly you just, you're going to have to play the Explorer, move some of those guys on your next turn, play the number nine card. What's the, it called again? Uh, recruiter. The Recruiter. The recruiter yeah. Get your Explorer back so you can play him again on the next turn to mm -hmm. move a few more guys. Like it can really mess with your game. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I had some plans before really it clicking in my head that the recruiter or that the explorer is the only one that can move guys. Um, where it's like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to move, shuffle those guys around. I'm going to leave them here for this. There's, there's scoring sections through mm -hmm. the game. It scores three times once after, what is it? Once after turn five, something like that. I don't and then remember. once after turn eight or something. And then there's, there's two turns left after mm -hmm. that. And I was like, I'm going to score with the guys where they are, but then I'm going to move them to where I want them for my final victory, hidden mission, victory mm -hmm. condition. And then I was like, wait, I don't have the Explorer available to me. And in the time it would take me to play the recruiter, get my Explorer back and play it, I, the game will be over and I can't right. do the thing that I want to do. So, so there's definitely some timing to keep an, keep an eye on as you're playing it. But, but it was pretty quick to learn. It was fun. It was engaging. It was competitive enough. Like we, we were all against one another. It mm -hmm. wasn't. It certainly wasn't cooperative. Certainly. Yeah. It, it could be occasionally. There were a few times where I was like, Devin, if you let me, you know, get on that ship that you were thinking about getting on, I will make sure to use my card that I'm going to play to launch the ship that you have want to put guys on on your turn. So mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. There's a very little bit of a diplomacy you can do that's not explicitly written into the game, but mm -hmm. you can play with it just because of the way the mechanics work. Um, but for the most part, it's competitive. And it's definitely not everyone against the game, which is the type of game I tend to prefer. Mm -hmm. But it was competitive enough that I think people who really want to, like, screw over Gary, so Alphonse, um, will enjoy it. But it's light enough on the competition that you don't feel like everyone's ganging up on you and you're getting wrecked or, or whatever it is. Yeah, and there's enough there's enough kind of chaos to it. Yeah. A little bit. I don't know if chaos is, is, might be too strong a word, but there's enough unpredictability in what everybody's doing on a given turn and what the secret mission and secret discovery cards that appear uh, associated with certain territories on yeah. Mars that it's hard to predict exactly what's going to happen on any given turn. I think there's an important distinction there between randomness and unpredictability um, because all of the unpredictability really comes from other players mm -hmm. and not being able to know what they're planning. There's right. no dice rolls. There's no spinners. Sure. There's nothing that... And so there's like, not really a lot of draws from decks either. Yeah, there's a as, little bit of that. As, as one example from, from our last game, I had a... my uh, We mentioned earlier, each player has a secret mission that they're doing. And so I my secret mission was I had to have... There, were, there are two territories on Mars that are kind of in the middle, and they border a lot of other ones, but they aren't border... Like, outermost territories. Right. And my mission was to have the most guys on those two territories. And nobody else knew that, that I had that mission. So from their perspective, I was just piling on in the middle there. And, and they kind of had to think, is he doing that because he's got a mission? Or is he doing that because he is a moron and he thinks he's going to get a lot of points right. that way? Or what does what Tom up to there? Meanwhile, 
What was Devin's mission that, that he well, pulled sorry, off we, we all ended up with geographical missions. Mm-hmm. So yours was hold the center to... Mine was hold the westernmost. And and then between him and Gary, one of them had hold the easternmost and one of them had like northernmost. Yeah. And so because of the way the areas are laid out, the person who has have guys in the westernmost might cross over with the guy who has have guys in the northernmost. Sure. Those those could cross over one another. Um so we we all had geographically once uh, related end end mission secret mission mm-hmm. things. Um but I don't remember which one was his. I don't, I don't either. But but it, it was actually no no he he had eastern he, because I remember I had western and he had eastern and we had been fighting with each other for territories for the whole game that were in my uh, I was only fighting for them because they were part of my mm-hmm. my end game and they weren't part of his for any reason at all and when it finally was revealed that his was eastern I was like why did you keep fighting me for those and he's like. Because I wanted the crystals, <laughs> like it was, it was like a <laughs> paltry number of points right. that he could have gotten for booting me out of this mm-hmm. thing. It had nothing to do with his real end game. So it, it's got interesting stuff too. Um, you know, so so the territories are are one way that the missions happen, but there's another mission just to kind of illustrate how they work and what they what what can go on. Uh, whenever you lose an astronaut for any reason, so he's uh, you know replay. There, there's ways you can get astronauts killed, right? Uh, they go into Lost in Space, this little board off. Well, to they the call side. it the memorial. Though, yeah, the right? memorial. You set them aside, and they're there, and they just—they're just gone. They're just—you can't get them back, as far as I know. I think there's a couple little things that like, there's definitely end of game scoring discovery things. We should talk oh, about right. the discovery yeah, cards that, yeah, that'll bring them going. back. But in game, as far as I know, there's no way to yeah. get them back. But you might have a mission that says have the most guys in the memorial. Yeah, that's one mission. So there's there's some interesting weirdness there that can lead you to try to play in bizarre and confusing ways for the other players yeah uh we've mentioned before the discoveries and which i think i called at one point secret missions is associated with an area so there are cards that can wind up through various mechanics in the game placed underneath the edge of the board associated with a certain area on mars and then just before the final scoring round these are revealed and they might radically alter who is in that territory who wins it yeah they might say the player with the second most astronauts gets control of this territory instead they might say everybody loses one astronaut out of this territory just kicking some people out of it yeah a lot of different things they can do tons of them um they're secret except for the player who placed them you when you place one you know it's there right but you can also use i think it's the scientist well that's also how you place them generally yeah the scientist can let you place one and it can also let you look at one that's already been placed so you can use your action to know more about them but you're not getting as much done yeah, none of us tried it. I bet there's a strong strategy where you play the scientist a lot more than any of us did. I think probably. A, I think a couple of us played him once. I don't know if everyone even played it. I don't know I, if, I know if I, Devin ever did. I, pl- I know I played mine, but I don't know. Because I think there did. were only three discoveries on the board by the time we ended. So I think that about covers kind of the mechanics yeah. of what's going on in, in Mission Red Planet. Um, do you want to do quick? Reviews each, sure. Sure. I mean, I don't have much more to say than I have. Yeah, I really I, liked it. I, I like it a lot. Uh, I love the art and the and the kind of the theme. Like, it's a unique and interesting theme. It's fun, fun to play with. The countdown pieces are just a great bit of theme matching function very well. Uh, the miniatures, the cardboard. I like the, the miniatures a yeah, lot. It's all very high quality stuff. You will find it aesthetically pleasing. I think. Um, 
and the mechanics are fun. Like it's it's not a game that's going to dominate your evening. It's not one that you're going to be like, I need to understand Mission Red Planet in its ins and outs, and I need to go to tournaments and win because I don't think there are Mission Red Planet tournaments. But uh, it's one you'll enjoy, I think. I really liked it. We we played someone else's copy, so until I finish loading this Amazon page, I don't know how much it actually costs. That's surprisingly low. $35? $35? It's showing yeah, up on... Yeah. Uh, That's surprising, on actually. The fan, actually there's also it looks a, like there's different versions of it. There's a Mission Red Planet by Asmodee. I don't know if that's the same game. That must be a different thing, because that's way more expensive, and it looks completely different. English language edition of Mission Red Planet in French. Uh, it's probably the same game. It's probably the pre-fantasy flight publishing of a, of a previously French game, hmm. um, for a lot more money. But still, for, for 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 the quality of components and the gameplay we got out of it, thirty five bucks is a steal. Yeah, oh yeah, um, yeah. You'll have a good time. I, I was going to say I don't know how much it costs, so you know, all all our talk about enjoying the art and the quality of the components might be, and it was sixty dollars for <laughs> forty five minutes of gameplay, but it was actually pretty good. Um, I, Tom may briefly mention something along these lines, but it, it fits right in the middle of it's it's a what, what do we call it a class two game probably, probably. yeah yeah it's it, you could start off the day with it um, it's probably involved enough enough though that it's it's not going to be a filler and you're not going to want to run it uh, when people are too far gone mm-hmm. from ADHD or drinking or some combination thereof um, but it, it was good but if but if you if you bust it out early when or when everybody's you know on there really wanting to dig into a game you could you could focus in and plan your strategy and and think your moves through yeah and there would be i think there would be enough strategic satisfaction there to uh to keep people's attention if they were in that kind of mood only downside is i, th- I think it tops out at four right uh no it could have gone up to five I believe. oh it could have gone up to five so that's that's decent that's pretty average for games, really. Yeah, three to five players. We often end up uh, running game days in with with a large enough group of people in a small enough space that we can't reasonably try to run more Actually, than one game. Two to six. Okay. In the fantasy flight, fantasy flight version. Also, Board Game Geek is down right now. Yeah, I noticed that. I was trying to get pull that up earlier, and it just it died. Um, but yeah, it, it's the sort of um, it's the sort of game that, or, or sorry, we we have the sort of of game day generally where we have seven or eight of us in a room house apartment mm-hmm. not designed to hold that many people and, and and also set up you know for someone to live in rather than to host game days <laughs> so we we only have really one room to work with often and so even a even a game that supports up to six players is sometimes like well we have seven who's going to sit out right um so we certainly like the ones that, you know, will take eight or 30 or whatever. Um, but whatever the case, I enjoyed this game very, very much. I, I liked it a lot. I would play it again twice. I'm checking ev- down for everyone or just me for Board Game Geek. You were you were trying to find out if that Fantasy Flight and the Asmodee edition are the same game or two different ones? No, I'm looking... Uh, is BoardGameGeek.com down for everyone or just me? Well, but that's why you wanted to go to BoardGameGeek. Oh, right? actually, no. I just tried to per- pull it up earlier to have actual information about the game, like who published it, when, and where, and maybe there are names attached to it that we should know. That kind of thing. Braltudo Fortando. Right. That yeah. guy. Man. He's good. Braltudo. I like Killing that it. guy. He's on just... the game design. And on the basketball court. Right. 
Right? Both just, of those. Just with the tomahawk slams from the half court line. Yeah. He's uh he's been a pillar of the uh the the Paris France Parisiens basketball team for almost a decade. You know, both their off- a long and storied career. Both their offensive and defensive lines, like that's what's really <laughs> impressive to me. Is that he can bring it, but then he can also stop it from being brought. Brung. Brung. In basketball uh, parlance. Right, right. You can bring it and stop it from being... Oh, no, no, sorry. My mistake. Brang. Brang, yes. Yeah. Bring, brang, brung. Right. Yeah. Uh, occasionally it will have been brought in, but it doesn't <laughs> happen often. <sighs> well, this has been another quality segment of the, mild of the Mildly Learning Podcast. podcast. Yeah. Um, if you would like to share with us just how quality you thought it was, you could let us know on Twitter... At Mildly Alarming. You could send us an email at mildlyalarmingshow at gmail.com. Or you could leave a comment on the website at www.mildlyalarming.com. Those are the only ways. There's no others? If you try another... There's like 40 more. It's like, um... It's like there's, uh... Just... you No. Nope, you can't. Three quarters of our... Three quarters of every episode is you listing different services you can leave a comment on. I'm trying to just do that at the end so that everyone doesn't have to listen to it twice. Oh, so am I supposed to be making my my joke one now? Yes, make a joke. God. Or you can just deliver the heat through the hard paint from downtown like the big man used to do in the sauce and we'll know. That all sounded like sports words. We'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Hey there, everyone, it's me, Charlie Burpiapolis from Indianapolis, with a great new product. You know me from my patented podcast remover, and now I'm here to solve another of your home infestations. You see, my brother Larry Burpiapolis from Indianapolis told me about pork snaplings, and how sometimes people get that snapling butter in their blood and turn into furious half-pig, half-man hybrids. Well, I gotta tell you, when I told my wife Sardwinia Burpiapolis from Indianapolis about it, she said to me, she said, Charlie, we got to invent a spray that'll get rid of pigmen. So that's what we did. If your house is just full to bursting with angry, grunting pigmen, pick up a bottle of my Burpiapolis pigman remover and see if it doesn't send those oinkers skittering into the street. And if you don't have a pigman-free house in seven days, just call the number on the bottle, and I'll send our pigman removal specialist, Slip Slampolis Burpiapolis from Fort Wayne. He'll take care of the whole shaboodle. Thanks for listening, guys, and remember, when your house is full of crapolis, the name to think's Burpiapolis. See you later. Welcome back to the Mildly Alarming Podcast. I'm Tom. Rich. And I'm Johannes. Stouffer. And we are the hosts of the Mild Alarm Podcast. It's a good thing that we're here because otherwise the podcast would not go on. That is good. That is good. Uh, today's segment is a brand new segment that we've never done before. It's called Weather Report with Johannes and Tom. Johannes, put in the music for it. I'm going to have to come up with music now, aren't I? Unless you just want to leave a humorous blank there where it's implied that I suggested you put in music, but there was not any, and then I just look like a fool. The question is, which will people get sick of sooner? My lame attempts at musical stings or that joke? Yes. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Right. So Weather Report with Johannes and Tom is a segment of the podcast where we talk about the weather in the place where we are. And most of the rest, well, I was going to say most of the rest of you probably aren't, but if we were a good podcast, that would be the case. But uh, most of you are related to us and uh, not in Texas. So I guess you're probably here experiencing the weather along with us and might even enjoy this report on past weather that already several happened. days later. It's already done. It's happened and finished. So we're grumpy uh, right now because there was a giant snowstorm predicted for the southeast Michigan area, the greater Ann Arbor region of the state. Uh-huh. Uh And there was all sorts of gloom and doom. Like my wife went out and was like, I got to go to the grocery store and make sure we've got enough bread. And she never came back. Through. And she never came back. So I'm single now, ladies. <laughs> uh, but... Hey, step off, ladies. He's, I mean, <coughs> he's single. You can, you don't have to step off. But uh, anyway, uh, actually, for the record, I am not single. I'm still happily married. Please do not hit on me and get me in trouble with my wife. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, so my wife bought bread is really where this story goes. She Good brought it story. Home. And, you know, there, there were warning emails going out that, you know, don't I, buy bread. Don't warning. buy bread. It's poisonous. Bread emergency. <laughs> yeah. There's too much bread. We can't buy all of it. But there were warning emails that went out at work, like, here are our work-from-home policies. Don't risk your life just to get to work. Stay at home if it's too dangerous. I'm like, oh, my God, this is serious business. They don't they don't say that for nothing. And uh, so it was, uh, that was what was going on. And it turned out, like, we had some snow yesterday, and so it took me a while to get home from work. And then we had some snow today, so it took me a while to get to work. And like I had that to ch- sounds rough. I had to check the uh, the Google Maps ahead of time and find out where the accidents were so I could route myself around them. Uh huh. And so I wouldn't get stuck. The Google there. Maps, yeah, that's uh, useful stuff, right? And um, way to be an IT professional. At, at a couple of at a couple of intersections, I applied the brake earlier than I would have because I wanted to make sure I had an adequate time to stop, and I slid just a bit. Wow. And then I stopped. Heroin. Because I took precautions to ensure... To, I factored in that the roads might be slicker than normal. I did some of that, too. I applied the brake earlier than I needed to a couple times today and ended up coming to a stop also earlier than I needed mm-hmm. to and then had to let off the brake to move up to... And just edge up a little bit. But point where you had taken a precaution for potential snow and ice. Well, yeah. I'm not stupid. Right. And, um... That's really the entire story of the winter storm right there. So we're both real disappointed in this storm. I think that's fair to say. It's fairly disappointing. Mostly the reaction of people to the storm. And also, yeah, it has certainly hasn't lived up to the hype. Right. I didn't get so many emails. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely saw well, I, I, there was definitely some hype that disappointed almost instantaneously mm-hmm. because I knew uh, from watching the National Weather Service like a hawk through every winter, waiting for any even just slight inkling of snow, which I love and adore, um, for snow. Just just watching for snow. I love snow. There should be more snow. And I got home from work the other day and pulled out my, took my phone off the 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 windshield mount on the mm-hmm. car and noticed, oh, I have I have a weather notification from Google. And I looked and it said, winter storm warning. 10 inches of snow. And I was like, yes, that. Mm -hmm. And then I looked and it was like 
10 inches of snow above the M59 corridor. And I was like, well, I'm... That's everything is south of the M59 I'm corridor. south of that. We're all south of so that. So that's less snow. And I looked at the weather report and it was like slightly less snow than mm-hmm. we had previously yeah. forecast, yeah. which was only three to six inches of snow. Now it's two to four. And I was like, that's lame. You're lame. It Stop lame. being so lame. Yeah. Learn how to walk again. <laughs> Yeah, and it was just like uh, it's just like this big deal, and then it's just like this wet fart of a snowstorm, and you're like, really? This is it? Like, ooh, I drove slower. Ooh, oh. Well, to be fair, we did get the we got the emergency situation of a snowstorm. In that, uh, for those who are outside of the state of Michigan, people who are not us <laughs> or re- related to us, I can't speak for your siblings, I guess, mm-hmm. um, but at least related to me. Um, in Michigan, forget immediately as soon as the snow melts, what snow is, that snow happens, and how to behave when there is snow. Right. Which means the first snow in Michigan is a traffic nightmare. It's horrible. And then the first big snow following that is a new and exciting nightmare. Just because this has been a weird warm winter... This was our first traffic or our first big snow of this winter. Mm-hmm. And so everyone behaved accordingly as though they had never seen snow. They all just moved here from Texas. What's this white stuff coming from the sky? Why is it on my car? Why is it on the road? What's the slippiness? How do I do the do? No, they I'm don't... spinning. I'm spinning in circles. I'm spinning. I'm spinning. Oh, no, I'm spinning. Oh, no, this other person has hit me, and I'm still spinning, and now I'm sitting in the middle of the freeway. My car is still running. It has not been destroyed. It hasn't even been damaged. But I'm not moving. I'm just staying right here with my hands on my head, hoping for the best, and just blocking 11 lanes of traffic as a result. And I'm not moving. I'm not going to try to get over at all. Lordy, lordy, no. Just going to sit here and look shocked. I'm just going to stay here. Looking surprised or, even better, literally on my cell phone. But I got to flip side it too. It is the year of our Lord, 2016. That it is. There is no excuse, even in a moderately light dusting of snow, for the majority of us to go to work. That Ah. should be remote able. And it should be a very low bar. To tell people, just work from home today, that's fine. I can do 110% of my job from home, which is to say I will get more things done at home if I don't have to sit in meetings and have people stop by my cube and talk to me. You know who talks to me at home? My cat. I feed him, he goes away. End of list. I, uh, I, I feel that way doubly so because I didn't end up going to work mm-hmm. yesterday, not because I intended not to go to work, but because... I woke up and received text messages, phone calls, and emails from all the people who were not planning to go to work saying, I don't, things like, because there were several of them, I don't remember how to remote in, or it's not working right now, can you fix it? Or the one excusable one, the only excusable ticket was, you set up a new computer for me literally yesterday it is not quite finished can you help me set up the remote access so i can remote into my computer at work and work from home and it took me enough time 
remoting into other people's computers and doing things over the phone and whatever mm -hmm. to get all that set up that I it was by the time it was time to go to work I was just like it's or, but by the time I was done and could drive to work I was like is 45 minutes on the road worth being in a place where no one else is mm -hmm. to help them with their problems or is it better to just stay here and I ended up staying home I had actually taken this morning off for just a, an appointment that I had and so like everybody else was didn't no nobody came to work today as a result of the snowstorm but I drove I trucked it on into downtown Ann Arbor for my appointment and then I trucked it on over work, work and I get there and like one of the tech writers comes out of her cube and is like, are you the only one here? I'm like, I guess. And like, there's like one other person. And like, and then we didn't talk to each other all day because we all just, we're just wanted to enjoy the solitude. Which, yeah, cubes like day. it was if great. You, if you have to be at work on that day, it's if you're already there, at least enjoy it. Yeah. I went in today and there were four, there were four other people mm -hmm. there, four of them. And I was just like, I have my office to myself for once. I'm going to listen to music without headphones. And I'm going to accomplish things. And I did. Then I went home again. And then you made a podcast. Well, yeah. So we were both very disappointed in the snowstorm. It was not, it didn't live, like, it wasn't enough that we can be like, we lived through the snowstorm. But it also was was severe enough to be modestly inconvenient, just like, uh. Well, to, to be fair, they called for four to six inches. Mm -hmm. And we got probably a foot mm -hmm. of tremendously heavy snow i have cleared my driveway three times mm -hmm. in less than a 24-hour period and each time my little sad electric snowblower was like i don't know if i can do this and i was like <laughs> i'm not shoveling do it and then i ended up shoveling mm -hmm. some stuff so you know it was respectable in that it wasn't really cold enough but like here's the thing michiganders Yes, people outside of Michigan, that's actually what people from Michigan are called. If you call us Michiganians, we, uh, we inhabit, just ignore you. We inhabit your bodies and cause you to walk off of cliffs. Which is the same thing as ignoring you. That's just what we do. It's very different, actually. It's an extremely different thing. I do that to everyone all the time, unconsciously. It's the same as ignoring. Is that why I'm always waking up at the bottom of cliffs? It's, it's a part of it, certainly. <laughs> but everyone who is like, hey, it's almost March... Winter is over. I, I hear this all the time, mm -hmm. even from Michiganders, who have no excuse. Have you ever been here before? Like, it's not over in March. It snows until the middle of May. Yeah. That's how this goes. You'll get weird warm days in March, and then it will snow again. Yeah, a lot. That's what will happen. It'll keep snowing, and you'll be like, oh, I was ready to break out the shorts, blah, 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 flip-flops, I'm stupid, and then it'll snow again. And you'll be like, yeah. Well, not you, because you're the stupid one. But I will be like, yes, that's what it does until the middle or sometimes end of May. Because <laughs> that's where we live. That's what happens. That's how it works. I like I like snow. How do you feel about snow? I, I like winter better than the other three seasons. Like, well, yeah, I would say I like it. It's my favorite season. Not by, not by as much as it is your favorite. Right. Well, that would be ridiculous. Yeah, but it's pretty high up there on my list. The, ol about the only thing I dislike about winter is listening to other people whine about it. Yeah. I'm like, no, this is great. This is why we live here. We, you, do, do, listen, do you know what would happen if we didn't have winter in Michigan? I'll tell you what would happen if we didn't have winter in Michigan. All of the people in all of the other states would come here and live. No one live. wants that. That's There's already... 
way too many people in southeast Michigan. Exactly. They it's would the come worst here, part of Michigan because look at all the rest of it where there aren't people. It's great. They would come here and they would be here all the time as opposed to just being here some of the time, which yeah. is better than being here all of the time. I mean, none of the time would be ideal, though. I guess, you know, let's we don't need to get into the, the, the politics and economics of right, right. tourism. Winter keeps them away. It right. keeps them from living here. because well, Much of the time. Because people who like that don't want, they don't want to be cold. Yeah. They want to be comfortable and happy and fat. And you can't be that in Michigan because the bears will eat you. <laughs> I mean, you got to be some degree of fat or at least own a lot of coats. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, One of the two. But yeah, you can't be like no, no, I, lumbering I, and slow. You, you got to have a winner. You get devoured by a bear or like... That. Like a really hungry moose, or, you know, or sometimes. Just like, or just like a really hungry guy from Howell. Right. You met those guys? They're rough. I, I try not to. Dangerous town. Yeah. KKK, capital of the state. Yeah. Wasn't it, isn't it the birthplace of the KKK? No, the birthplace of the KKK is somewhere in the south. Well, I'm, no, I'm pretty sure it is actually, because I'm always shocked. I'm like, really? I thought I could have sworn it was someplace. Well, I mean, it, it depends. You have Co- the computer that can do the thing without the other thing. Are we really going to research the history of the Ku Klux Klan on our po- board game podcast tonight? Two points. You brought it up, and you adore researching the history of the Ku Klux Klan. I have done Listen, it. they have a thing called a dragon. It's not a dragon. It's just some dude. Their nomenclature is hysterical. There are wizards. Wizards who can't cast even one spell. The first KKK was founded in Pulaski, Tennessee. Okay. The second was Atlanta, Georgia. And the third is loosely affiliated with one another. I'm not seeing a founding place of where it came from. It's it's, it's not listed anywhere. Okay. I've often heard Howell referred to as the birthplace of the KKK and been shocked that why would it be up here all the way up here in thank god for michigan but uh i guess for those I, who I guess are i was wrong or they were wrong for those who are from places who are not michigan uh michigan provided some regiments in the american civil war and at one point abraham lincoln our president at the time was having a difficult time defeating the south in the american civil war and uh michigan regiments showed up at a convenient moment to reinforce the Union armies, and Lincoln was heard to say, "Thank God for Michigan." And so we've uh, we when we each Michigander is born, they tattoo that on our legs. Yep, which is in part, not entirely, but in part, why if you live in Michigan, enjoy my grandfather clock going off because I forgot to stop it before we started <laughs> recording. It's a very pleasant ding dongy sort of sound. If you live in Michigan, it is a very small part of why if you ever fly a Confederate flag for any reason, you should shoot yourself in the mouth until you are dead. Yes. If you fly a Confederate flag in Michigan, you're a moron. If you fly a Confederate flag, you're a moron. Yeah, But in Michigan, it's like double moron. You suck and are terrible. And are dumb. And are stupid. And useless. Robert E. Lee was a little bitch. I think that sums it up. That about covers Pretty well. it. Uh, we like Winter a lot. We're not fans of the Confederacy or the Klan. Wow. <laughs> Those things are not related, but somehow we related them. <laughs> this is a bad podcast. It's real bad. <laughs> Do you want to? Is that is that it? Do we have anything else on this topic? Topic. <laughs> I made air quotes is what happened there. No, we should let them get to the the stunning conclusion of this episode. It is Which stunning. is pretty great. It, well, 
I mean that honestly. All right, it is much better than whatever just happened for the last however long this segment has been. Twenty minutes. Let's roll this. Let's roll this thing up. <sighs> let's roll this popsicle stand. I don't. What? It's just. But, listen. If you like this podcast, we're baffled, Conf- deeply confused, appreciative, but baffled. And you should tell us uh, what you appreciate about it so we can continue producing it or maybe so we can stop doing that and do things that normal people like but whatever the case let us know on twitter at mildly alarming by email at mildly alarming show at gmail.com on the website at www.mildlyalarming.com on facebook.com slash mildly alarming show in the comments on itunes or google play music or stitcher you can also find us on tune in radio i got all of those things without forgetting what i was going to say there are other ways what are they tom you can uh just raise high the stars and bars and bring forth that good old moonlight and magnolia spirit and the south shall rise again and get your dick kicked off by the union army a second time you worthless piece of garbage i have nothing to add to that see you next week bye all right everyone get out your carpet squares and find a spot it's mildly alarming nap time gary let alphonse have the green one today you had it last time remember sharing is caring And in Alphonse's case, it's also not getting stabbed with a sharpened crayon. Okay, okay, time to quiet down, Crime Mummy. What's that, Gary? Well, okay, we'll read you guys one story, but then you've got to go to sleep. Aren't they just adorable? Like baby angels straight from heaven. Giant, hairy baby angels covered head to toe in barbecue sauce. These are precious moments. All right, let's go. We've had so much fun, we've had such a big day. We've gotten so sleepy that down we must lay. Our eyelids are heavy, our thinking's gone slow, from spitting fresh rhymes with the funkiest flow. So nighty-night liquor, and nighty-night mics. Nighty-night children, all riding their bikes. Nighty-night software, and nighty-night fish. Nighty-night Alphonse's allergy list. Nighty-night Gary, with your beard and hat. And nighty-night also to our friend named Pat. Nighty-night again, Gary, with teeth in your head. Nighty-night, murder clowns, under my bed. Nighty-night, Cory, and nighty-night, Chip. Tom can't tell you two apart. What a dip. Shit. Nighty-night to a gabo, wherever you are. And nighty-night, Harpy, once hit by a car. Nighty-night, Snoop, with your blunts and your chronic. And nighty-night, me, with the last gin and tonic. Nighty-night, co-host, with outfit on fleek. And nighty-night villainous, five-minute geek. Nighty-night, little one. And oh, by the by, if you call them readers, I'll poke out your eye. Nighty-night people on the other end of our podcast equipment. You're our only friend. Nighty-night board games, which we sometimes mention. And nighty-night booze. I need an intervention. Nighty-night wives, the most patient of ladies. And nighty-night husbands. Wait, shit, don't tell our wives... Nighty night podcast, you pit of lost time, and nighty night poem. This is the last rhyme. <laughs>